The Big Beat manifesto goes, Big Beats are the best, get high all the time. Right. At the time, it felt like a much more all-encompassing philosophy. This is contagious. Yeah. This is outrageous. This is contagious. Run, you cretin! You're a fuckhead! That's what you are! A fucking shithead! It was a joke, Mark. I was joking. It was a Christmas joke. Hey everybody, you're listening to the L Dude Brothers Podcast, episode 2. This is your co-host, Lee. And co-host, Sean. And welcome to the podcast. You know, it's finally March. It's my favorite time of year. Spring training is in full swing, finally. Something interesting to look at. Yeah, I'm, ex- I'm excited for, once again, the Royals to have a good season. Kind of a little bit of a letdown last last year, not having any October baseball, but... We'll see what happens this year. Yeah, well, you know, you got the World Series before that, so I'm not going to cry too much for you. But uh, certainly the Reds were are due for another slog, so that's going to be fun to watch. Well, you know, everybody thought the Royals were going to be bad, and they did okay. So, yeah. you know, uh, the Reds can't. I'm sure the Reds will do better than they did last season. We'll certainly see. Uh, something else I wanted to touch on here before we get started on the episode is quite interesting, and we mentioned it uh, the show QI on our introduction podcast. And basically, it's a British panel show hosted by Stephen Fry, but there's actually three seasons of it up on Hulu now. Oh, that's cool. I've been I've been wanting to watch it, so the fact that it's on Hulu make that easy for me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's very, very entertaining, and there's a lot of cool stuff you'll learn on there. Like I said, Mitchell's a common guest, and so is Jeremy Clarkson, if you like him from the Grand Tour. Uh, but it's it's a great show. Definitely check it out if you are on Hulu and just looking for something else, some more David Mitchell content. It's, it's good stuff. But without further ado, we'll go ahead and jump into the interview, which is Season 1, Episode 2 of Peep Show that aired originally on September 26, 2003, once again, written by Jesse Armstrong and Sam Bain. Yeah, I was really I was really pleased with this episode. Um, I really liked this one a lot better than I liked last week's episode. Absolutely. You know, we obviously beat last week's episode to death in the podcast, and, you know, while it was a good intro, it, it just... That's all it really was, was an introduction to the characters. This it starts kind of kind of moving things in motion, and you get a little bit better feel for the characters not completely acting unlike themselves. Yeah, one thing I like in this episode that also coincidentally made it hard to podcast about, this is our second attempt at this podcast. <laughs> uh, this episode, and just this also will serve for the fans listening, um, this episode features a lot of jumping around between Mark and Jeremy. Uh, they both have very parallel storylines that for about the middle third of the episode don't really intersect. Um, so when we are discussing this episode, we'll be discussing both characters' story arcs in kind of one whole, and then we'll, when they meet back up, we'll pick up the episode as normal. Yeah, it's going to be a little bit weird at first, but you know, we actually recorded what was it, fifty-seven minutes last night, and decided yes. decided it was very difficult to follow. So, hopefully, this will be a little bit easier, and uh, we'll we'll give it a shot for these kind of episodes that jump around a whole lot. But yeah. for the first scene here, uh, you know, typical, we start off in Mark's apartment, and Mark is in his room getting ready for work, and Jeremy's waking up. Yeah, Mark is fascinated walking around in underwear with socks on, and. Um, he's wondering to himself about, do women wear socks? Obviously, yes, Mark, they do. 
Um, and then he has this little rhyme where he talks about, it's okay to put your socks on before you put on your trousers, but uh, never pants. Yeah. I don't know what the difference is. Yeah, I think in, uh, what is it, pants is underwear and trousers or pants, as we were just something like, here. Yeah, so. Something like uh, that. Yeah, something, it, I guess it just, he thinks it makes you look weird. But uh, looking definitely weird is, well, I don't know if you call it weird, but uh, we see the first ass of the show, which belongs to Jeremy. He is walking around the apartment naked, and you get a one of those weird first-person urination uh, where the, the whole point of view thing's a little bit strange. I think it's funny how he's just peeing all over the toilet and he just really doesn't care. Yeah, well, it's because, as he mentions, and it's the first mention of his ex-girlfriend, Big Sue's, who we'll meet later on in the series, but I, they apparently had just broken up, and uh, he says her reign of terror is over, so obviously uh, you know, he doesn't care too much about Mark having to clean it up, but that's Jeremy for you. Yeah. Uh, we uh, move on to Mark in the kitchen, who's making his breakfast, which is just two pieces of toast, but he's very pleased with himself because he's got a piece of brown toast for his main course and white for the pudding. But the joke is on, you know, and anybody, I guess he just kind of throws it out there that he actually secretly really likes the brown toast. And uh, again, we're overanalyzing Mark's food, but that seems to be a theme here. Mark does have interesting tastes in food. Uh, this is just a funny little Mark scene where, you know, a uh, normal person would not even really think about this level of their food, but Mark just can't help but overanalyze everything. Absolutely. He's just, he's always got that neurotic dialogue happening internally. So Mark then turns and calls Jeremy Dr. J, which is kind of strange, but... Yeah, it's really weird. Jeremy just... Um, between peeing all over the seat of the toilet, he's gone to his room and gotten dressed and he comes into the kitchen and Mark just looks at him and says, Hey, what's up, Dr. J? Yeah. And Jeremy doesn't have a job. So he actually uh, is thinking to himself, well, you know, I'm just going to get a little bit of ballast in the stomach and then go back to bed, which is kind of the, the part of the theme of this episode. And Mark's, apologizes to Jeremy for not hooking up with him and super hands the night before, which again, a little bit strange because I don't really know why Mark would be hanging out with Jeremy and super hands. I, I don't know. It's just like calling him Dr. J. I mean, it's, I can't think of really any time in the series where Mark like would willingly um, hang out with super hands. No, I, I don't think so. And then uh, the whole time, uh, you know, Mark's kind of pitching him, kind of buttering him up for the idea of, you know, starting to get a job or look for a job. Meanwhile, Jeremy just kind of phases Mark out and just jams a knife into the toaster repeatedly. Yeah, he starts talking about this looks like the Crusher from Star Wars except Red Hot, and he starts talking about what he would do if his parents were trapped in there and which one he would save, and he's just completely zoning Mark out. In fact, what's really funny is that you just don't even hear what Mark is saying. Um, just, it's a to- very funny scene, and it's a scene that happens uh, one at least one other time in this episode. And I actually, um, I actually tried, you know, because I mean, that's the whole purpose of this podcast is to analyze the episode. I actually tried to kind of pick up on Mark's audio, and it's just it's so phased out that uh, there's really nothing left. Yeah, and then Jeremy just sort of snaps in, and as he snaps in, the audience snaps in on with what Mark has been saying. Yeah. So uh, the the conversation continues in the next scene where they're in the living room actually eating their breakfast. Mark 
refers to the two of them as Jez and Mez, which of course Jez is a British nickname for Jeremy, but I'd never heard of Mez, and I think it's the last time that he ever refers to himself as Mez. I don't ever remember him calling himself Mez ever again. It's no. it's uh, a little bit funny because it's just very out of character for Mark to you know be like that, but uh, it's again, it's just one of those things. Like when I heard it the first time, I was like, Mez, what? He never, he never refers to himself as that way ever again. Well, it kind of makes sense here in a second. I, I think we'll talk about it. But, uh, you know, they're sitting in the living room watching TV, a little bit more of that sort of Beavis and butt sort of theme. And Jeremy mentions that uh, Superhands dropped a new bass line, and it's, it was so great that he physically couldn't turn it off, and he's super excited to get recording with Superhands again. Yeah, and then Mark is, you know, trying to be supportive of jeremy's music career where he's kind of you know like well but what if the music career doesn't work out jeremy and he's being very uh, i don't know i don't not, i don't necessarily say condescending is the patronizing. right patronizing there you go and he you know uh he just hands jeremy this application to jlb credit where he works and he says you got to interview you need to get this faxed over to us by 3 p.m Yes, and in there is the first mention of the Yell Dude Brothers, which is obviously where we get the name of the podcast from. But the thing about the Yell Dude Brothers is kind of what I was saying about the whole Jez and Mez thing. You know, it, it the way that it always works out, you get the Yell Dude Brothers and then do the horn honk, which is, you know, how we end every episode. And if you hadn't seen the series, you've probably been pretty confused up to this point, but hopefully now it makes a little bit of sense. So... Essentially, when they do the Yell Dude Brothers honk, it's usually one person that is very enthusiastic and trying to convince the other one to be enthusiastic. But, you know, usually you get a hearty uh, uh, from the first guy, and then the other one's just uh, 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 very, you know, reserved and unsure. So it's funny. It's a recurring theme throughout the entire series, and you get a lot of mentions of the old dude brothers. Yes, just like I hope we get mentions on your Facebook or Twitter feeds. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, wishful thinking, certainly. I hope so, too. Uh, then they're sitting there on the couch, and Jeremy mentions that, you know, he's he's trying to grow as an artist with super hands and the band, and that everybody kind of needs what he refers to as their something stupid, which is a, a, a song, just, you know, kind of one of those cheesy love songs, and... It's sort of a recurring theme in this episode as well. It's referred to at least three or four times. Yeah, and it's a it's a song that we'll have on the outro, but you can just hear how the the characters inner this song really comes to life in this episode. Absolutely, because I didn't get it the first couple times that I that I saw this episode, and then it started to make sense. You kind of pick it up here and there. So after you've actually heard the song, at least. So again, Mark's being way overly polite to Jeremy and uh, you know, he just thinks Jeremy actually refers to him as a work shy freeloader to which, and then go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. After you, sir. So in which Jeremy can only think in his head that Mark's a tight fisted cock muncher. I feel like this is the thesis of the entire, entire series and just encapsulates both, um, both characters. Like if you had to write out three words to describe each character, those are the perfect three. Yeah, I think I think so too. You know, warring factions again. So it's kind of what they do. 
Uh, moving on to the next scene is actually at the JLB building where Mark works with Jeremy still sitting at home. And this is where we're going to start kind of breaking it down and, and going through. So we'll talk about Mark's storyline in this scene first. You get the first appearance of the JLB building. And he goes into work and goes to his computer. And Sophie's left him a little cartoon on a sticky note stuck to his computer. Yeah, this is this is super funny, and it's a very cute scene with Mark being all like excited about getting, um, getting the cartoon. I also, also in this scene too, as Mark is going into work, he meets a kid who, uh, on all outward appearances, has a limp, but Mark can't tell that he has a limp. And then, uh, when the kid only rides the elevator up to the first floor, Mark shouts at him and tells him, you know, you're not allowed to ride the elevator to the first floor. And then the kid limps off and Mark feels bad for yelling at a child with disabilities. Yeah. Actually going back to Mark's, you know, history way of thinking, he says people like him should wear stickers. Oh yeah. Great idea. Adolf. He's self-aware enough to also realize that the stickers thing is, uh, something that should never be said out loud. Absolutely. So, uh, then we see Mark and Sophie have a little interaction and kind of, again, the, the theme between Mark and Sophie, Mark really doesn't know what to say. So he just kind of blurts out the first thing he can think of, which happens to be have a nice shower or bath. I like that he includes the phrase or bath, you know, <laughs> like a normal person would say, oh, have a nice shower. And, you well, know, a then... normal person wouldn't say that to begin with. <laughs> yes, I. Sorry. Yes, you are one hundred percent correct. That is not something a normal person would say. But I'm saying, if you were like, if I was talking to my wife and I said, "Did you have a nice shower?" She took a bath. She would say, "Oh, yeah, I took a bath." But yeah, it was fantastic. Like I wouldn't, if I all of a sudden just said, "Oh, did you have a nice shower?" She wouldn't be upset if about it. But I like that Mark has to qualify or right. bath. That being said, if you listeners out there have ever picked a woman up by using the pickup line, have a nice shower or bath, by all means, leave a comment on our Facebook page. We'd love to hear about it. Yes. <laughs> so it's an awkward interaction and really lays the foundation for everything that happens really with the two characters in the entire series. So in this episode is the only one where they give each other little flirty cartoons, uh, which is kind of disappointing because, you know, it is kind of... Ooh, you know, it's, like, it's almost like, uh, you know, seventh graders passing notes in class, you know, kind of cute, whatever. It's very, it's very tender. I, like, it really, it really uh, is a tender moment. But to, and I feel like kind of a serious moment, even though it's, you know, not necessarily presented as like being super serious. But you just see that there really is like an interest between these two characters. Yes, because uh, it's not immediately obvious, I don't think. But uh and especially in the episodes to come, it starts to get even a little bit different. So Mark then is trying to draw his own cartoon to return to Sophie, which uh, his first attempt is just some weird puffy-shirted, weird-looking guy. He's holding flowers, and for a long time I thought it was a knife, but I'm not necessarily... <laughs> I don't think it was a knife. I, would, I can't tell what it is, though. Well, you know, and as much as I would doubt that, given the second cartoon that Mark draws for Sophie, maybe it could have been a knife. <laughs> I, I don't really know. Because the second cartoon is two stick figures holding a heart. And Mark kind of looks at it and says, yeah, this isn't very interesting, basically. You know, what would Jeremy do to kind of spice this up, you know, to be the wild card? So, you know, being a World War II buff, he draws a swastika inside of the heart. 
and he's just so so proud of himself. Yeah, crazy love, Nazi love. Love is for Nazis, and um, I'm sure part of him thinks that you know that's perfectly acceptable. But then he, you know, it's just he's not self aware to realize that you know not everybody would jump to that conclusion. Absolutely, and you know, kind of just goes on Jeremy's little tangent, sort of. Oh yeah, loves for Nazis, haha. You know, so he uh, then takes the cartoon and and goes to leave it on Sophie's computer. And this is the first time we hear somebody singing any kind of rendition of something stupid in the episode. Yeah. Mark is, Mark is walking down the hallway to Sophie's desk and he just, it says, so I go and seal the deal by doing something wicked like this cartoon. And he sings it, Perfectly within time with how the actual song goes. Right, which didn't make sense to me. I, I always wondered why he was singing on the way to her desk, but then when you actually, again, you hear the song, and then you're like, oh, okay, well, that makes more sense. I guess maybe if you're in the UK and that was a popular song, maybe it's different. But anyway, so Mark later on has a realization that Nazi love might not necessarily be a good type of love to be putting out there. Yeah, thankfully he realizes very quickly that uh, probably not everybody is going to understand the joke. No, but so he I'm... rushes back. So he rushes back to Sophie's desk to grab the cartoon. Yeah, unfortunately the cartoon's already gone. So he's very upset with himself. Starts banging his head against the wall, kind of asking himself, "Why would you do what Jeremy would do? Like that's not what Mark does at all." But Again, Mark has a little bit of that sort of idealization of Jeremy, I think, and uh, you know, just basically says thanks a lot, you tit, kind of blaming it on Jeremy, even though you know he's the one that drew the cartoon. It's yeah, it's a Mark thing to do. So while we have while we have kind of finished Mark's um, most of Mark's day, we're gonna jump back and take a look and see what Jeremy did and. Uh, Jeremy by far has the better day, I think. I would I would say so. So, and again, this is all kind of happening at the same time as Mark's storyline. It's just easier to to kind of broadcast it this way. So, Superhands is going to be coming over to the apartment, and and he says it's going to be about twenty minutes, which Jeremy takes as meaning that he's got about an hour to get ready. And what would any other young 20-something man do in an hour by himself? Well, he's going to take care of business, so to speak. Going to polish the dolphin? Yep, yep. And uh, he's looking for a pornographic magazine. Now, he decides that for whatever reason, he thinks Mark would own pornography. Why does Mark seem like a porn guy to you? Uh, You know, I mean, he's, he's pretty desperate. But right. but not necessarily, I don't know, not not that kind of desk. I don't know. No. <laughs> I mean, he mentioned porn to Tony. But yeah. That was about it. So Jeremy just kind of, he's having a little internal monologue where, you know, Mark's got no conception. Uh, you know, he thinks that Jeremy's lazy, doesn't do anything, but really he's busting his balls creatively. And, you know, just basically worried about getting his rent money. Uh, or Mark is just worried about getting his rent money. Jeremy can't see the bigger picture. He's very upset that he might actually have to work a real job. Yeah, the horror. And uh, 
as as his as his anger is building and building, he discovers an opaque yellow bag full of magazines. Oh yes, and inside of the yellow bag is an issue of Fantasy Figure Modeler, which actually we found out since yesterday is a real magazine. Yeah, I was just gonna say I I feel I always thought that Fantasy Figure Modeler was kind of just a play off of of White Dwarf, which is a a magazine for a company. Um, called Gamers Workshop that's based out of England. So I always just assumed that Fancy Figure Modeler, Fantasy Figure Modeler was a fake magazine. Say that three times fast. <clears throat> so, you know, naturally Jeremy just kind of thinking about it says, Jesus, like maybe this is Mark's porn. His The look of like revulsion on his face when he realizes that his best friend, or when I guess he thinks... It's never confirmed when he thinks that his best friend is, like, uh, taking care of himself with, you know, elves and pixies and stuff. Right. Well, and, uh, you know, so this is probably the best scene, at least in my opinion, of the entire episode, where Jeremy's really genuinely trying to get into the so-called porn that he's looking at, with, which is basically just like a picture of a giant snake. With, with a, the... Yeah, with like a sultry elf. Yeah, she's wearing like kind of a green, well, as we've learned the words, bodkin and jerkin, <laughs> with a sword around her waist. And uh, Jeremy is just going full, full bore. He's got this very funny monologue where he's like, I'm a dirty hobbit and she's a sexy elf. So she might be. And then he pitches up his voice and he's like, Oh, you dirty hobbit! Take off my bodkin and my jerkin! And then he just is going on and on about her sword. What if she's a hobbit slayer? And then there's this pause, and he just goes, "I'd use my enchanted amulet." I mean, and it he, just... he's just role playing with himself. It's outstanding. <laughs> I know, I know. And he's coming up with this story. Um, he's literally typing with one hand. Yeah. It's a very funny scene. No, definitely. Uh, so. Eventually, after Jeremy's little romp through Fantasyland, there he gets he meets up with Superhands, and Superhands plays the bass track that was just so amazing. From I wasn't really a fan. I'm not a fan either. Uh, you know, neither was Jeremy. Uh, didn't like it as much as Superhands did. So Superhands immediately says, "Oh, okay. Well, this is the end of the Hair Blair Bunch." Really, but but relax. It's not the end of the Hair Blair Bunch. It is the end of Spunk Bubble. But it's not really the end of Spunk Bubble either. It's actually the end of Mama's Kumquat. And this is a funny scene with them arguing over the name of the band. Um, Superhand, or Jeremy just basically tells Superhands, you know, I bought all this equipment and uh, I need you to pay me for some of it. Absolutely. And, and them arguing over the name of the band. I mean, throughout the series, there's probably 20 different names for the band. Yes, there is. And they're all fantastic. I would name a punk band anything that they that they throw out there, and it would be perfect. But so, yeah, basically they're arguing over the equipment, and, it, you know, Jeremy's kind of switching his role to kind of be the mark of this situation to where, you know, he's the one asking for money that he feels entitled to. And uh, I don't think he really learns anything from it. But nevertheless, it's kind of weird to see him in that light. Yeah, and then Superhands, as he's walking out, just he does some little, like, probably high German, like, curse hand signal, and he just says, shit is as shit does. 
But before he can walk out, he gives it one last go, and he says, why are you breaking up the hair, Blair Bunge? And Jeremy just <laughs> roars at him, we are not the effing hair Blair Bunge. And then that's just kind of the end of the scene. Yeah. You know, still, again, at the end of all that, still worried about the band name for a band that might not even exist. But And Jeremy, I one thing that's also funny is that I think that that he has been very rattled by Mark and the fact that he owes Mark money because he is definitely not thinking about music right now. No, definitely not. Definitely not. So the next scene you've got uh, back in Apollo house with Jeremy heading over to Tony's apartment to look for a fax machine so that he can fax over his application to JLB. Meanwhile, Mark is at JLB. Yeah. And Jeremy goes next door to talk to Tony and he hopes that she has the bong and not the coffee press because it's probably been three hours since the last time Jeremy's done drugs. Mm. Um, but this is where we start one of the funnier storylines in this entire episode with um, Tommy is or Tony, excuse me, is just talking about, oh, have you ever tried to do the washing up without any washing up fluid? And Jeremy is, you know, very confused about this like has did mark tell you something which i like that this absurd <laughs> situation is something that jeremy's actually done absolutely and it's weird because jeremy knows that she, you know she's trying to pitch him a pyramid scheme but he just kind of is going with it because again if he hears something that he likes that sounds good he just kind of sticks to it well he also doesn't really know what a pyramid scheme is either he and just thinks it's helps. uh yeah, he just thinks it's a great a, a great idea. Yes, it could be Sensi, it could be Mary Kay, but in this case, it's just washing up liquid. Uh, either <laughs> way, Jeremy would definitely fall into that trap. I like that she just reassures him, like, this is not pyramid selling, and she shows him a pie chart. And then she has this very, very funny monolo- monologue where... Um, and again, we're kind of cropping all of Jeremy's scenes together in this. Uh, but she has this funny monologue where she talks about, oh, only the only the original people are going to make money. And she kind of points at her and Jeremy. And then she's like, we're going to be eating the pie. But all the Johnny-come-latelys, they're going to be eating pastries. And I think Jeremy is like legit excited about just making money doing nothing. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely a Jeremy thing. So that's pretty much all for Jeremy in that scene. So we're going to go back to Mark, who's, again, at JLB working, uh, just chugging down some chips at his desk. Another little nerdy reference here where he calls his mouth the Sarlacc pit. <laughs> and <laughs> much like much like Boba Fett, he sends these little chips to their death. Absolutely. And so Mark is, you know, he's definitely shaken at this point. Uh, still over the cartoon, and uh, he's, he's just trying to relax and get some work done because he's kind of under a deadline to to get some stuff done. And he's he's trying everything to relax. He's trying not. He sees Sophie walk by, which kind of triggers him and um, gives him a little bit of a panic attack. And he's like squeezing the stress ball. He's like rearranging. He's obsessively rearranging his desk. I mean, it's just it's a funny it's a funny little bit where. Mark is trying to relax and is just physically incapable of doing it. Right. And so at the end of the day, 
he tries to remove the key out of his desk, which he says always gets stuck, and you can just hear the stress in his voice because of just everything else that's going on. So he's sitting there wrestling with the key. The key finally pops out, and then his attitude is just like, ah, well, fuck it. You know, the key always comes out. I don't need to get it fixed. And he kind of just turns around, and, like, there is uh, there is Sophie standing right in front of him, and <laughs> he, she says, I really liked your cartoon, Mark, and he's just like kind of shocked at this point and he's like you you did and she starts talking about how oh it's barbara from hr and she's giving me a heart full of holiday pay but really the heart is full of she just pauses and mark just goes race hate (laughs) yes exactly because uh sophie says that barbara is such a racist and that's so barbara yeah and and i think i don't know it's definitely a marked thing to just blurt out something like race hate or, or whatever, just to try to, I don't know, def, not, not diffuse def- because diffusing the situation would imply that he's not making it worse. Yes. Yes. That was a good point. And I'm not, sure I was also going to say diffuse, but yeah, <laughs> uh, your point is much better. So, uh, Mark then asked Sophie for her phone number just in case Mark needs to get hold of her for any work related things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, Surprisingly, Sophie starts writing it down. But but Mark just can't be like a normal human being about it. Like he just has to he first accuses her of not writing down enough numbers, but he is very quick to accuse her and I think it throws her off a little bit. <laughs> it's very funny, but it yeah. kind of throws her off a little bit and then he has to quickly apologize and then she just seems to kind of brush it off. Yeah, she's she's kind of a sport about a lot of Mark's neuro, 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 eh, neuroses. Neuroses. Me. Uh, she's very she's a very good sport about it here at the beginning. So and before the scene is over, you know, Mark mentions uh, he's thinking about his weird balls again, which yeah he hopes that he hopes that if uh, things work out with him and Sophie that he hopes she won't mind his weird balls, which is our uh, second straight episode with a weird balls reference. I, I think we go quite a few before we get a, get a break from the weird balls, but there's definitely one next week. Unfortunately, Mark never gets a break from his weird balls. So I guess we shouldn't complain, but next scene is Mark and Jeremy at Apollo house in the flat watching TV. And the quote, let's see here. There, it looks like they're watching some kind of murder mystery. Yeah, I tried to look up what this show was by um, just kind of Googling the quote that's on the TV. Um, but every every time I Googled that, it just brought me to like a peep show related page. So I, you know, it was hard to find what this actual show is, but it looks like some sort of murder mystery. Right. And they're kind of trying to figure out, I guess, who did it. And, you know, Jeremy just immediately says, well, it's obviously it was him and points to the black guy on TV. To which Mark says, oh, why? Because he's black, you racist? And, it's and then fun. it's funny because yes, I think uh, that's something more that Jeremy would say. Yes, yeah, definitely. It definitely is. I, I have often wondered in this scene if Mark is kind of throwing it in Jeremy's face a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Kind you know, of get, like, get a taste of his own medicine. Yeah, yeah. And uh, this, of course, leads to Jeremy just, you know, never wanting to be portrayed as a racist, just saying, no. Because he was in the garage and had access to the keys, like he's got to justify himself to Mark. Right now, during this exchange, sort of, uh, kind of in in concert with it, 
Jeremy, I believe, challenges Mark to call Sophie, and they come to the conclusion that, okay, they're going to turn on Bob Ross, which, again, they call God for whatever reason. But if he's doing Mountain Sky or Water, he'll call, but Trees or Critters, he won't. So they change the channel, and Bob Ross is painting sky, so it's time for him to call Sophie. Meanwhile, Jeremy is still on the race thing because, it, as it turns out, that guy did do the crime, and who's the racist now, Mark? And then that, of course, leads into by far one of the best monologues in the entire in the entire what uh, Mark monologues, I should say, in this entire series, and. I don't do Mitchell's. I don't do David Mitchell's voice justice at all. Um, so we're just going to go ahead and play the monologue for you, and um, because it is very funny. This now, Mark. Uh, Sophie, uh, if you heard that, please ignore it. I- I'm not a racist. Far from it. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, it's uh, good to hear your voice. I-, I know it's only a recording, but you have got a bloody nice voice, and. <laughs> God, uh, I just called up to say hi, and then uh, th- then I go and spoil it all by saying something stupid like, I like you. I mean, not that. But uh, anyway, I noticed that the paper in the, in the photocopy here is running a bit low, so I know it's not really your job, but, uh, well, you know, so uh, see you tomorrow. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> oh. that's a good one. Yeah, I really enjoy that uh, that monologue because just when he's singing at the end and it's so awkward and you can just hear the, the hesitation in his voice. Yeah, he looks he looks over at Jeremy and Jeremy's Jeremy's face just sells the scene a million times. This this scene is on YouTube and I highly recommend to watch it as well as listen to it. But uh, Jeremy's face just goes from like. <laughs> like support for his friend for doing this and then it like turns into oh my god and then it turns into horror and then it just turns into complete revulsion in like a 30 second span which is probably how a lot of women feel about mark (laughs) surprise sophie doesn't especially after the message me i don't know maybe she does but uh yeah so let's see here so mark has a lot of self-doubt over it and yeah he's he's just he's kicking himself because he's just yeah he's just looking at jeremy and um you know uh if there's little kids in the car cover their ears because part has a lot of swearing but he's just like fuck 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 and the way that jeremy responds where he's just like oh fuck Yeah, he's just he's just kind of riffing off of it, and because you know Jeremy doesn't know what to say at that point. It was it was that bad. It was it was literally that bad. I I think Jeremy has probably never seen Mark at his worst. That's pretty close. Pretty close. Oh, oh. So, uh, feeling bad about himself and Jeremy. I don't really know if he feels bad for Mark or if he's again repulsed. But either way, they both decide it's time for a little drinky poo. So they go to the bathroom with Mark sitting on the toilet drinking scotch, and Jeremy is just kind of lounging in the tub doing the same. Yeah, and uh, Mark, uh, Mark and Jeremy are talking about, Jeremy's like, well, maybe she'll find find it charming, and Mark's just like, oh, she's going to think I'm such a weirdo. And and then Jeremy, trying to cheer up his buddy, is just like, no, not an oddball. You're a maverick. You may not play by the rules, but by Christ, you get results and another little funny scene. And 
you know, Jeremy can just tell that Mark is just despondent about this, and Mark and Jeremy are both very drunk in the bathroom at this point in time. Yes. And, of course, naturally, Jeremy trying to kind of, again, diffuse the situation, or at least deflect a little bit, poses the question to Mark. Mark, have you ever tried to do the washing up without washing up liquid? And then Mark just kind of looks at him very confused. Um, Yeah, just looks at Mark just completely confused. Yeah, and, you know, they have a little conversation about it, but, you know, Mark has pretty much already nailed it down. This is pyramid selling. Yeah, and uh, one thing that I also had forgotten to mention, too, is that uh, the reason that Jeremy went over to Tony's originally was to use the fax machine, and she got in a nice roast on Jeremy about how, you know, this isn't the 1980s anymore, and, um, you know, Tony Jeremy was supposed to fax his application over to JLB. Absolutely. So uh, Jeremy kind of, Mark forces Jeremy to be realistic about the whole pyramid selling thing, but Jeremy's pretty convinced that, uh, you know, what he's got is, is the way to go. He doesn't want Mark uh, ruining his, his idea. So he's saying to himself, well, I'm going to come to the interview, but I don't think I'll be getting the job. And then laughs out loud uh, inadvertently. And, and Detective Mark is immediately on the case, and he's just like, what's so funny? <laughs> so the thing that I don't get is Tony did not have a fax machine. That is correct. Tony did not have a fax machine. But, but somehow Jeremy got his application faxed over there. Yeah, I, I have never... It, this was a, a not a plot hole that I even thought about until I watched it through this most recent time where Mark very clearly tells him, like, you have to fax this over by three. Jeremy very clearly does not you fax it. You know, Peep Show is one of those shows where important things do not happen on off screen. So Jeremy does not fax this application. Somehow he still has a job. I think that when we get Mitchell and Webb on this podcast, that that is question number one that we should ask them. Certainly, certainly. I think that really the first question, if Mitchell and Webb ever come on the podcast, is going to be, what? Why the hell are you on our podcast? <laughs> like, yes. You have a lot of yes. other things to do than talk to us. Hey, right. but, you know, we're doing big things on SoundCloud. 40 listens each episode. I mean, you know, pretty soon we'll be pulling in that serial that serial money. Absolutely. Uh, eat Alpen. So, yes. Scene, the next scene, you got Mark coming in to work at JLB, and it is Jeremy's interview day. But he is too worried about the message that he left for Sophie and kind of, you know, uh, what if somebody else heard it, you know? Maybe I could tell her that Jeremy held a gun to his head because he's a crackhead, but uh, he doesn't want to think, make Sophie think that he lives in a crack den or anything like that. Yeah, he doesn't want Sophie to be his crack bitch. She's just uh, a nice, you know... He worries that Sophie is, you know, going to judge him based on, you know, Jeremy being a crackhead. And this is also a very marked characteristic that you'll see throughout the series where he plots different ways to throw Jeremy under the bus and then sometimes does it, sometimes does not do it. Right. In this case, he sees Sophie coming down the hallway towards him and ducks into the supply cupboard and just kind of hides in there hoping that Sophie's going to pass. Unfortunately, you get to see Jeff uh, open the door on Mark. And Jeff, fuck Jeff, he's the worst. Jeff is definitely the worst. He's the he's pretty much the villain of the entire series. And 
I, I just don't I don't know how anybody can like Jeff. Uh, there's it's weird because there's times where I really appreciate Jeff um, for the kind of drama that he adds, but there is no more punchable fictional character I've ever met than Jeff. Like Jeff is, I don't know, not King Joffrey level, but he's up there. He's very appropriately named because I've never met a cool Jeff. <laughs> yeah. Um, unless you're listening to this podcast and your name is Jeff, in which case we're a pretty fucking cool guy. Yeah, I'm sure you're. I'm sure any Jeff that listens to this podcast is a cool guy. Absolutely. So Sophie sees Mark and Jeff talking and uh, kind of Mark like is confused why Mark would be hiding in the closet. To which do you he... think? Go do ahead. you think that it's do you think that it's possible? Do you want to entertain this idea that Jeff purposely opened the, that Jeff would not have cared about Mark hiding in the cupboard, but only opened the door solely to embarrass him in front of Sophie. Is this an idea that we even want to entertain on this show? I think there's no question about it because Jeff is always kind of trying to sabotage Mark. And we see that in the next episode quite a bit. Yeah. I definitely think it's possible that this whole, this whole situation was just a sabotage job. I, I wouldn't doubt it, but so anyway, Mark's kind of yelling to Sophie, Hey, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk later about the message. Uh, you know, just very awkwardly kind of trying to trying to save any kind of face that he can. And there's really nothing to be saved here. He also doesn't want to necessarily, I think he feels weird mentioning this in front of Jeff. Um, because he really does hate Jeff. And, um, you know, I think that if had Mark thought it through, he probably wouldn't have mentioned this because I'm sure Jeff's next question to Sophie was like, what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> and probably was as we discover later, but Jeff finally kind of just grabs something out of the closet and closes the door. At which point you hear a screaming torrent of self-loathing and despair from Mark. Yeah, it's a very funny scene where um, it's very muffled what's coming out of the closet, but just by the way that Sophie and Jeff look at each other, you know it's not good. So, the next interview is... You know what I just realized in that scene? What's that? Whose point of view are we looking through? Well, I think most of it you're looking through Mark's. Not after he closes the door, because he's in the closet. and Maybe Sophie's... Because I, I think I think it's Sophie looking at Jeff, who's looking. I I'm gonna rewatch the scene later, but I almost am positive that it's the two of them standing to the left and the right of the door. This is a mystery. We're gonna solve this mystery, and we're gonna talk about it next week. All right, let's do that. So, next scene we get to the title of the episode, basically the thing that we've been waiting for the whole time: Jeremy's interview with Barbara at JLB. Unbeknownst and, to Jeremy, though, Mark is also going to be in attendance at the interview. And Jeremy's whole goal is to just sabotage the hell out of this interview. I mean, he's dressed, his suit looks like it's too big, his you know, he looks disheveled. He mentions to the racist Barbara that he's still drunk from the night before. And uh you know, Barbara I feel like is a little oblivious to what Jeremy is trying to do. Or I she's just so. trying to kind of play off on it. And uh, then she introduces Jeremy to Mark, and Jeremy all of a sudden realizes, oh, I can't really throw this interview anymore. Yeah, and I think Barbara might have just been displaying, because realistically, at that point, I mean, you know he's not going to get the job. Nobody, Probably nobody who's ever gone into a job interview 
purposely trying to sabotage themselves has, has ever even come close to getting a job like that. But I, it could just be British politeness as to where in America, you know, an HR person would just say, are you like, what's wrong with you? Get out. Yeah, that's a, always a distinct possibility as well, because Barbara, despite being a racist, is very nice to Jeremy. Yes. So Jeremy is, uh, like Sean said, he's kind of trying to act proper and normal and not make it completely obvious that he's flubbing the interview. And Jeremy just pretty much tunes out the whole interview with Barbara, but yet he still seems to be coming up with responses that don't sound horrible. This and... is another... This is another funny scene where Barbara is just talking and she starts to ask him a question and then um, Jeremy just sort of tunes out, focusing solely on Mark. And um, again, Barbara's voice gets kind of muted and, and distorted and you just get this Jeremy monologue where he's thinking about Mark. And you also get another monologue in the scene where Mark is talking about how he could order Jeremy to file this and pick up that and suck this and he just gets this jesus where did that one come from <laughs> yeah there's some and we see it later in the season there's some latent uh questioning within mark which makes for some funny funny scenes so barbara has her little checklist there and it's got what is it like a column that says acceptable or poor and it, poor is checked all the way down the line there's no way he's getting the job yeah he's not he's <laughs> So sorry, he's not winning any any favors, but he's he's actually answering the questions quite well. Where he says something along the lines of, "I'm looking for something that's more uh, of a organizing, but in a professional environment. I mean, sphere." (laughs) And he makes like this circle with his hands, and he has another one where he talks about how. Despite being a nurse, that this job would be a relaxing challenge for him, and it's it's Jeremy just is so he's so proud of himself for throwing this interview in the best way he can, but then he's also just turning on his charisma to like eleven. Right. So in compensation for that, he just starts like faking facial spasms at Barbara, which, you know, immediately Mark calls him out on, you don't have facial spasms, stop it. And then they get just pretty much get into an argument. Jeremy tries to kind of deflect the argument by asking Barbara, Barbara, have you ever tried to do the washing up without any washing up liquid? And Mark just gets like completely livid at this point and is just, yelling at him about pyramid scheming and or spelling and he is just apologizing profusely to Barbara and Barbara just seems like completely thrown off as to what is going on in the room at that point in time. Well, yeah, because they they start arguing and Jeremy brings up the supposed porn that he found in Mark's room saying, "Well, at least I don't fancy elves and pixies." Do you think Mark's reaction here is legit where like do you really think he potentially viewed these as like an erotic thing or do you think this was more mark just being a nerd oh i think it's mark being a nerd i mean painting figs is definitely something that mark it seems like he would do but well he did have a he did have a and d box in his closet that we saw when jeremy was looking through it and um, made me wonder you know you never see mark like ever embrace this like hardcore nerd side of his of his personality well you start to see it in like what season five season six maybe but not Wait, he does play world of, he does play a world of warcraft-esque game 
And that's, but that's, you know, in that time, everybody was playing World of Warcraft. So, yeah, you know, unfortunately, <sighs> but we had some good times. So anyway, we get the next scene where Mark is at JLB talking to Sophie about the interview, just how much of a disaster it was. And it, it really was terrible. And we're about to have an even better terrible disaster coming up here shortly. Yes. Uh, you know, Mark just, he, uh, I don't know what he's thinking. So Sophie mentions that he, she met Jeremy on his way out of the building, thought he was a funny guy. So all of a sudden Mark has this twinge of, okay, are we, you know, kind of rivals again? Do I, so he immediately tries to throw Jeremy under the bus, which is his knee jerk default reaction. Yeah. Anytime, yeah. anytime Jeremy might be getting a leg up on him. Yeah, very funny scene here. So Sophie is pretty much just, like, Mark asks about the message, and Sophie's kind of fluffing him and just, uh, you know, no, the message was fine, and, you know, I didn't tell anybody about it. And Mark finally admits to her, you know, well, I suppose I like you. And... She says, oh, okay, I think I can deal with that. But then he's just got to take it one step further and just he fires off with, I like you, and if you can't handle it, then fuck off. Yeah, I mean, just fantastic. Again, if you've ever used that to successfully seal the deal, please, please let us know. But uh, something tells me that, uh, you know, it didn't even really work for Mark here. So, yeah. Anyway... So we get next scene is the JLB lobby with Mark and Barbara and Jeff and the crippled kid from the first scene that we briefly touched on. And the kid is walking completely normally through the hallway, gives Mark the old two fingers, and Mark just proceeds to rip into this kid. And one thing that I didn't I didn't realize before is, you know, when when Mark is in the interview with Barbara and Jeremy and Jeremy's doing the facial spasm thing, he accuses Jeremy of faking it and berates him in right in front of Barbara, who's their Barbara, the racist, who's their HR director. And then, uh, and then in front of her again, he yells at this kid and accuses this kid of faking an injury. So like, she must think that he's just absolutely insane and that he just fake <laughs> accuses people of faking disabilities all the time. Yeah. When, yeah, he might be the most unable person in any given situation, but yeah. Uh, yeah, at least socially. So, uh, they, they're getting on the elevator and who's in the elevator? Fucking Jeff. Yeah. Goddamn Jeff. I hate Jeff. So Jeff's just kind of standing there with a with a shitty grin on his face, pretty much ignoring Mark. Yeah, and, and Mark is, you know, trying to make small talk and Jeff is just not having any of it, and Mark is just, you know, well, screw you if you aren't making small talk. And this is when we get the reveal that uh Sophie really has told other people about the message because Jeff just looks at Mark and starts singing something stupid, which is exactly what Mark had saying to Sophie on his voicemail. Yep. And that is the end of the episode. And we cut to the credits and again, much better than the first episode as far as, you know, comedy wise. I mean, there's a lot of good content in here. Yeah. I, I think you start to see a more formed Mark where his internal and external voices are more consistent with each other. 
I, I think so. And just some of the scenes, like the Jeremy with the magazine is just, it's one of my favorite scenes in the whole series. I just really enjoy it. Yeah. It's a very funny scene. And, um, you know, I even showed it to my wife just cause I was trying to explain this scene to her. And my wife is not the biggest, uh, biggest fan of more, uh, dirty humor like this and um she even thought this scene was funny she loved jeremy referring to it as a bodkin and a jerkin and (laughs) so proper so proper (laughs) but yeah great episode and actually the next one we have coming up is definitely my favorite episode of season one i know it's sean's favorite episode of season one and probably a top five in the entire series, which is called On the Pole. And the characters really start to come out in this episode, I think. Like, the the form that you see in this episode is what you're going to see for most of the rest of the series. Yes, this next episode this next episode has some very high highs and some very low lows, and I'm I'm really excited to talk about it. I mean, I'm I'm prepared for that podcast to go an hour and a half. Yeah, I, I wouldn't doubt it. Uh, we're definitely going to be uh, taking one more look at it before we do, just to make sure that we hit everything because there's so much in it. But in the meantime, we are now officially on TuneIn. So if you have an Amazon Echo or you know any Alexa-enabled device, you can ask it to listen to the L Dude Brothers podcast. They like the Alexa didn't really respond the first time. I think it wanted to point me to the L Do You Brothers podcast. We don't do that L- sort of thing here. Do know you brothers? No, so, yeah, something like that. It was weird, but uh, eventually she will uh, play the podcast for you, which is kind of neat to be able to listen just off of the Echo device. It's a really neat thing. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can just keep up this positive momentum. Hopefully the 40 people listening, this isn't some weird chat roulette scenario where they just really, really like our voices. And hopefully people are actually enjoying the content. Certainly, if you have any questions, comments, anything like that, please visit us on our Facebook page, WordPress, Tumblr, Twitter. I know some of them are a little bit underdeveloped, but we will be working on those in the weeks to come. Yeah, and I just want to give a couple shout outs to some people on SoundCloud. Uh, I want to give a shout out to people who have followed us, like Greg with two G's, Paul, and uh, my personal favorite, which is user nine nine one four nine five six two three, which is definitely not like some sort of weird porn account. No, I mean it, usually when I see a cover photo or profile picture that's just a butt. I mean, yeah, I mean, what? What? I don't know. <laughs> it's, her name uh, is. Her name is Maud Bush, and she's from Lithuania, so she is definitely not a potential mail-order wife. No, absolutely not. So, Maud, thank you so much for following, as well as Greg. And, uh, you know, we hope that y'all enjoyed listening to this week's episode. Again, we apologize for being a little bit disjointed, and because we've kind of had to piece the episode together in our own more organized way than what the episode is, uh, is viewed in. But next week should be uh, a little bit easier to get through, and definitely just such a great episode so one one last thing and uh you know this is this probably in the future this might this might be crazy but you know we're we're very excited with how many people are listening to us on soundcloud um if you listen to us on itunes or google play the google play music store um you know please take just five seconds give us a like give us a comment um, really helps us out a lot, and um, you know, if you if anybody ever wants to email us, you can email us at ldudebros b r o s podcast at gmail dot com, and you can also find us on Twitter at ldudebropod. So please follow us on Twitter, 
send us an email. We would love to eventually have a comments and question section at the end. Mm-hmm. Even if you're just telling us how terrible we are, we will. We we still love to hear about it. So. In the meantime, uh, I guess that's it for this week, and we will see you next time here on the L Dude Brothers Podcast. I know I stand in line until you think you have the time to spend an evening with me. And if we go someplace to dance, I know that there's a chance you won't be leaving with me. Then afterwards we drop into a quiet little place and have a drink or two And then I go and spoil it all by saying something stupid like I love you I can see it in your eyes that you despise the same old lies you heard the night before Though it's just a line to you for me, it's true and never seemed so right before. I practice every day to find some clever lines to say to make the meaning come true. But then I think I'll wait until the evening gets late and I'm alone. Time is right, your perfume fills my head The stars get red and oh, the night's so blue And then I go and spoil it all By saying something stupid like I love Time is right, your perfume fills my head The stars get red and oh, the night's so blue And then I go and spoil it all By saying something stupid like I love you